Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Monday, February 8th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. With the U.S. confirming 27 million infections since the pandemic began, vaccine distribution across the country finally making headway. With the economy still stalled, a new tax credit proposal from House Democrats as President Joe Biden continues his push for a massive new stimulus. And the Senate impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump set to begin tomorrow. The latest on potential evidence and Trump's legal defense. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. Twenty-seven million infections since the pandemic began, vaccine distribution across the country finally making headway. And with the economy still stalled, a new tax credit proposal from House Democrats as President Joe Biden continues his push for a massive new stimulus. And the Senate impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump set to begin tomorrow, the latest on potential evidence and Trump's illegal defense today on You News. Hello and welcome to You News for this Monday, February 8th. I'm Andrea Linares. Thank you so much for joining us today. This past weekend, marking one year since the first coronavirus death was reported in the U.S. Since then, more than 463,000 American lives have been lost. Cases right now continuing to decline for four straight weeks, but with Super Bowl celebrations and new variants spreading, experts think it's only a matter of weeks before the next wave hits. Lorraine Cáceres has the latest. Despite warnings from health officials, many gathering for Super Bowl Sunday, experts fearing it will become the next super spreader. At best, we're at halftime and things seem quiet while we're in the locker room. But when we come out, um, the team that we're facing is going to be a lot tougher than the team we faced in the first half of this outbreak. New variants have now spread to 38 states. A new study not yet peer-reviewed suggesting cases of the UK variants are potentially doubling every 10 days. It does show that we have likely more of the variants floating around in our population. That could explain why we may still see some more surges in the future. In the meantime, it's full steam ahead with vaccinations. The CDC reporting that 41 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine have been administered in the U.S. as of Sunday. That's over 2 million more doses reported since Saturday. As states struggle for more doses, Dr. Anthony Fauci saying supply will increase dramatically in the coming weeks. Other than me just running up there and sitting on somebody, I, you know, I, we, we are we're doing everything. It's, it's coming from all fronts. Pfizer reporting they have figured out how to cut production time in almost half. Florida this week expected to distribute a million doses to pharmacies all over the state. Meanwhile, in New York City, Yankee Stadium opening this weekend as a mass vaccination site only for Bronx residents to address vaccine racial disparities. This is about equity. This is about fairness. This is about protecting people who need the most protection because the Bronx is one of the places that bore the brunt of this crisis. 
And as the vaccine rollout moves along in some areas of the country, life moving forward to some sort of normalcy. In California, the Supreme Court lifting the state's ban on indoor church services on Friday. It's going to be amazing to go back and be a part of a community again. In Chicago, the teachers union and the city reaching a tentative deal to bring some students and teachers back into in-person learning this week. Across the country, teachers unions have demanded teachers be vaccinated before kids return. But the CDC says it's not a prerequisite and spread can be avoided as long as safety standards are followed. And as soon as this Wednesday, the CDC is expected to release official guidance on the reopening of schools and give some clarification on what exactly is the recommendation for teachers regarding vaccines. Meanwhile, the NFL has um, offered the Biden administration all 32 team stadiums as mass vaccination sites. At least seven of them are already um, being used. Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. Joining me now is Dr. Uche Blackstock. She's an emergency medicine physician and a Yahoo News medical contributor. Thanks so much for being here today, Dr. Blackstock. Welcome to You News. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me. The news worrying many today is South Africa halting the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine after research shows it's less effective against the variant identified in that country. What worries you the most about this new development? Well, the concern is that um, we will have a vaccine that is not effective against the South African variant, and that variant will be difficult to get under control. Um, the more reassuring news is that so far the Johnson & Johnson vaccine does have some efficacy um, against this, the, the, the variant from South Africa. And then we also have lab studies that show the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine also show some efficacy against this variant. However, we need as many vaccines as possible to be able to get that particular variant under control because the thought is, is that it's more not only more transmissible, but it may be also more virulent. Now, let's go ahead and talk about that UK variant. A new study found that that strain is spreading rapidly throughout the U.S. How concerning is this, especially just yesterday? We had the Super Bowl take place, lots of celebrations I mean, they, they're calling it that it could perhaps be a super spreader event. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we are very concerned about this variant. It is definitely more transmissible, and the CDC is predicting that it's going to be the major variant uh, by March. And we still have a very, very high caseload. Um, even though cases are coming down, they still are quite high, the highest they've been um, even more than last summer. And so we're at a critical time where we are having kind of a stuttering rollout of the vaccines, right? We're not able to cover enough people, but we also have cases that are still high. And then this variant that is going to be the predominant strain. So we're asking everyone to double down on those public health measures that we know work so well. Now, do you think the Biden administration is doing what is necessary at this time to get ahead of these variants? Yes, you know, I, I think they are. I, I feel very reassured, especially after the, the COVID-19 uh, task, force, task force briefing this morning. They are putting, uh, they're invoking the Defense Production Act to create more vaccines. They're having more vaccination sites. They're trying to encourage uh, retired physicians and other healthcare professionals to come out of retirement um, to help with vaccinations. They've also talked about having and creating a more robust genomic surveillance program. And, and they've done that over the last few weeks. 
increasing the number of uh, the amount of testing that's going on to detect these variants uh, that are coming in from other countries. And so, the, you know, we are seeing very reassuring signs that this administration is doing what it needs to do to get these variants under control. Now, the CDC released vaccination data by race and ethnicity, and it showed that white people are getting vaccinated at higher rates than blacks and Latinos. So let's go ahead and take a look at this graphic that we have prepared with those numbers. Between December and January, 60 percent of white people have been vaccinated compared to just 11 percent of Latinos and 5 percent among blacks. What do you make of these numbers and how worrisome is this? Yeah, so these numbers are incredibly worrisome, and, and this is not even complete data. We only have about 23 states that are reporting racial and ethnic demographic data on who is being vaccinated. So we have to demand that the states uh, report complete racial and ethnic demographic data, but also I think this is an issue uh, of access. You know, people talk about that there are vac this vaccine hesitancy, but I think also we need to make sure that when we have vaccination sites in the hardest hit communities, that people living in those communities have priority to those vaccinations. We need to make sure that people don't have to jump through hoops to access vaccination sites. Uh, there's some sites like the one at Yankee Stadium that's requiring a notarized letter from childcare workers. So that's an extra step, an extra hurdle that people have to go through. So we need to make sure that these vaccines are being brought to the people that need them. So whether that means mobile vaccination units, using community health workers that know the communities well, and doing outreach, we need to make sure all of that is in place so that these residents get the vaccines that they need. Hopefully we can soon get this all under control. Thank you so much, Dr. Uche Blackstock, emergency medicine physician and Thank Yahoo you. News medical contributor. Thank you for your work. The second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump getting underway in the Senate tomorrow. The House charging him with incitement of insurrection. Meanwhile, many Republicans say it's all a waste of time. Democrats are preparing to make their case against the former president, relying on a trove of videos to force senators to remember the chaos and violence that unfolded on January 6. Democrats argue Trump incited the whole thing. They insist it would not have happened without the former president. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. People came to that Capitol with the full intent of hurting people. So we need to hold the president accountable for what happened. The Senate leaders are still deciding the rules of the trial, including whether witnesses can be called. Many of the senators themselves present during the attack. You can't presume that either the Senate or the country are aware of all the facts. You really need to present that full picture, and I'm confident that they will. On the other hand, Trump's defense team says he did not incite the riot, insisting Trump was exercising his First Amendment rights. Trump's lawyers also argue the Senate cannot vote to impeach him because he no longer holds office. The legal team also rejecting a request for Trump to testify. When it comes to Trump, there seems to be no end to all of this. So the trial is going to result in an acquittal. However, some GOP members, like Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, still stands by her vote to impeach, calling on senators to listen to the evidence.
Somebody who uh, has provoked an attack on the United States Capitol to prevent the counting of electoral votes, uh, which resulted in five people dying, who refused to stand up immediately when he was asked and stop the violence, uh, that, that is a person who does not have a role as a leader of our party going forward. In a new ABC News poll with Ipsos, 56% say the Senate should convict Trump and bar him from holding federal office again. Meanwhile, 43% are against convicting him. The trial will begin tomorrow at 1 p.m. and the timing and structure of it is still unclear, but both sides signal they want it over quickly. Elsewhere on Capitol Hill, talks continue over President Joe Biden's nearly $2 trillion COVID relief package. Today, House Democrats are introducing a $3,000 per child benefit for families as part of the proposed stimulus package. Edwin Piti has the details from Washington, D.C. Edwin. Hi, Andrea. Happy Monday. I can tell you that today House leaders are expected to unveil the child tax credit bill to advance President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package. The legislation would provide $3,600 per child under the age of 6 and $3,000 per age 6 through 17. If this particular legislation is passed by Congress, the payments would begin in July for one year. The president's proposal also includes an expansion of the earned income tax credit to more low-income workers, along with the $1,400 stimulus checks and increase unemployment benefits. The help extends to nutrition, housing aid, among others. But the overall price tag of the Biden's proposal continues to be a sticking point, and as well as concerns over inflation. Here is what Janet Yellen said about this over the weekend. Take a listen. My predecessor, you know, has indicated that there's a chance that this will cause inflation to rise. And that's also a risk that we have to consider. I've spent many years studying inflation and worrying about inflation. And I can tell you, we have the tools to deal with that risk if it materializes. But um, we face a huge economic challenge here and tremendous suffering in the country. We've got to address that. That's the big risk. I would expect that if this package is passed that um, we would get back to full employment next year. The White House continues focusing on gathering support for their, uh, for their proposal. That's why they're holding virtual meetings with majors and governors throughout the country. It is important to know that regarding the third round of checks, Democratic lawmakers are increasingly divided over the criteria for the payments because some centrist lawmakers, such as Democratic Senator Joe Manchin III, have called for targeting the payments to prevent them from going to high-earning Americans, arguing that families who have not lost their jobs do not need the help. President Biden is willing to target who will be able to qualify for the help, but the amount is not negotiable. And that's a topic that continues to be front and center in the final discussions on the bill that could pass the Senate right after the conclusion of the second impeachment trial against former President Donald Trump. Live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for all those details. More of you news after this short break.
Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Well, the U.S. unemployment rate saw its first drop in two months. According to a report released Friday, the jobless rate fell to 6.3 percent in January. While that's some good news, the country is still down nearly 10 million jobs since before the pandemic hit. And most of those losses are among women and specifically women of color. Joining me now is Xochitl Oseguera, she's vice president of Mamas con Poder, an organization empowering Latinas. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So according to the Labor Department, unemployment among Latinas is the highest among all women with 8.8%, closely followed by black women with 8.5%. What are some of the factors driving these numbers? Yes, women across the country, especially women of color, are struggling to juggle work along with caregiving and homeschooling responsibilities. It's incredibly difficult to give our kids the attention they need while also work 100% on our jobs and deliver. Um, like you said, Black and Latina women who are losing their jobs are uh, who are losing their jobs disproportionately. Uh, we are being pushed out of the workforce and are are the ones who are bearing the brunt of this uh, this pandemic many women are essential workers and work in industry that have been completely devastated by the pandemic while others in order to take care of our families and our kids have made the hard difficult decision to leave their jobs altogether women of color we take care not only of our children but also our parents and a lot of the times our immediate family members what are you that is go ahead no, that's that's part of the problem and part of the how difficult it is for women of color in our in, in this pandemic. Now, with all these school closures, many women have taken increased responsibilities at home, as you just mentioned. How is this forcing women to drop out of the labor force because they have to juggle so many things at once? Definitely. We have to, like I mentioned, take care not only of our children, but so many times we have to take care of family members and our in-laws, our tios, or, um, or family members that are um, in our community because we live in community. And so I, um, I encourage uh, everyone right now, your audience, to really um, take uh, action and really ask your representative to pass the COVID rescue plan that you were mentioning earlier in your program that includes paid family and medical leave as well as childcare stabilization. It is very important for all of us to understand that this will help our families. 
You were just talking about that, that COVID relief bill. What, in your opinion, should be in the priority in the next relief bill in order to help all these women rejoin the workforce and so many jobs that have been lost? For example, like you said, the restaurant industry or hotels, et cetera. Yes. The first piece is that is very important is the child care civilization fund. Because for women of color and for women in general, we cannot go back to work if our children are not in a safe environment where they're learning. And so the child care stabilization uh, fund will cover daycare providers, which are predominantly being um, laid off. And that industry is really in, in jeopardy. And so for us, to be able to get back to work, we need childcare. And uh, otherwise we just cannot return and, we're in, and it's going to be a um, very difficult for, for us. The other piece of legislation is paid family and medical leave that is so important for us to be able to take care of our children and our families during difficult times, but not being able, but being able to stay in the workforce. As a working mother, I understand Perfectly what you're talking about. Thank you so much for your time, Xochilo Seguera, Vice President of Mamas Con Poder. Take care. And the Joe Biden administration is suspending former President Trump's migration agreements with El Salvador, Guatemala and Honduras. Secretary of State Blinken made the announcement on Saturday. He calls ending the asylum cooperative agreements a step towards greater partnership and collaboration in that region. The secretary noted in his statement that migrant transfers between the U.S. and the Guatemala Asylum Cooperative Agreement have been paused since March 2020 because of COVID-19 and the Trump administration's agreements with El Salvador and Honduras were never officially implemented. But the move signals a new relationship with the three countries in the area called the Northern Triangle. The pandemic has only made the political and economic conditions in the Northern Triangle more difficult for families seeking asylum. Blinken says the move is a more humanitarian approach. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.